This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the most interesting movies we saw at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And editor and chief film critic Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right. So obviously the big news everybody is talking about today is all of the stuff that came out of DC and the announcements from James Gunn and Peter Safran. So of course, we're not going to talk about any of that today. We're just going to do a Sundance recap podcast. Uh, I think uh, Peter and probably Ryan will be on an episode tomorrow breaking down all the DC stuff. So um, before Sundance gets too far in the rearview mirror, we wanted to take some time um, because all of us covered the festival in, in a myriad number of ways uh, to just run through the movies that we either really loved or thought were super interesting, or maybe think that people are going to be talking about as this year goes on. So uh, let's just sort of go like around the horn and each person talk about one movie and we'll end up with 15 total. So uh, let's kick it off with Chris. What, what's the first one you want to talk about? Uh, I want to talk about Eileen, which is a, uh, a film that stars Anne Hathaway and Thomas and McKenzie. Uh, I went in, this is based on a book, but I went into it uh, pretty much blind. I just knew who was in it, and I was like, "Well, that's good enough for me." And uh, I won't. I, I will avoid spoiling it. Even if you read the book, you can you know keep it to yourself out there. But uh, this is this is um, not what I, I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but. It, it kind of starts off like Carol in that it's set in the 60s. Uh, I mean, Carol's the 50s, but it's close enough. And it, it's snowy and it, it's Christmas time. And there's this young woman uh, who is drawn to an older woman. And you think, oh, this is going to be you know a Carol situation. And it is not that at all. There's something uh, a lot different going on here. And uh, there's, there's a point where the movie takes like this almost uh, crazy twist. And you're either going to be on board with it or you're going to be like well i wasn't expecting that and therefore i don't like it and there were a lot of people at sundance who actually were like that they were like the the twist made me not like the movie um and i'm in the opposite camp whereas the twist made me like the movie even more so 
uh, I, I, this, I don't, this doesn't have a release date yet, as far as I know, but um, I, I, I hope people uh, enjoy this as much as I did because it's either going to be well liked or it's going to be one of a movie where people are going to be like, I didn't care for that at all. So <laughs> I don't think there's going to be like a middle ground with this. Yeah, I also loved this movie. Uh, Brad, did you have a chance to see Eileen? No, unfortunately, I missed this one. Okay. All right. Well, Brad, let's go to you. What What is something that you did have a chance to see? Uh, I really dug Still, a Michael J. Fox movie. Uh, this was uh, easily my favorite documentary of the festival, and I was expecting to to enjoy this movie because I love Michael J. Fox. You know, uh, I'm a sucker for stories that kind of dig into the careers uh, and lives of, of, of actors and filmmakers that I love. Uh, but I was not expecting this movie to be put together in such a slick and impressive way. Uh, it's directed by Davis Guggenheim, who is probably best known for directing An Inconvenient Truth, the, the Al Gore environmentalism climate change documentary. Um, and with this documentary about Michael J. Fox, um, they they have pieced it together in such a fashion that uses clips from Michael J. Fox's performances on film and TV with some very uh cinematic dramatizations and cut them together in a way that makes the movie feel like a narrative. There are still some talking heads with, with Michael J. Fox, uh, you know, when he's commenting on his career and life and whatnot, but the way that the, the clips from his movies and shows are juxtaposed with the, the voiceover, it just tells a story in such a, a mesmerizing fashion. Uh, In one particular part, there's Michael J. Fox talking about the crazy long days he had when he was working on family ties during the day and then getting trucked over to the Universal lot to shoot Back to the Future uh, towards the end of the the day and into the evenings, and then only getting two to three hours of sleep. And the way Guggenheim stitches together footage that shows like how this worked, the dramatizations he shot, they did such a great job matching up how Michael J. Fox looked in both the show and the movies and transferring from one to the other. It's just done in such a, a seamless and really cool way, and it just makes it thoroughly entertaining to watch. Yeah, this movie is a ton of fun. I can't wait for people to see this. Um, I think Apple TV Plus picked this up. Is that yeah, right, Brad? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Do you know the the release date off the top of your head? I don't think it had the release date. Yeah, they just they've just announced that they have it, and so it'll 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 be coming out sometime this year. Okay. Another one that people will definitely have a chance to see, I, I think, this year, uh, if Netflix is smart, is a movie called Fair Play, which Netflix picked up for I think a reported like fifteen or twenty twenty million dollars or something out of the festival. It was like one of the big movies that where there was a big bidding war. And Fair Play is about a couple uh, who are in their late twenties, played by Phoebe Denevoir from Bridgerton and Alden Ehrenreich, who played. Uh, Han Solo in Solo, A Star Wars Story. And they work at this high-powered hedge fund on Wall Street. And uh, there is a, they work in this environment where it's it's very like a Wolf of Wall Street, sort of um, like the movie Wall Street, like really, really high energy sort of alpha male uh, personas going on there. And, you know, the type of place where when somebody gets fired, they like smash their computer with, to bits with a golf club kind of place. Uh, and there is, when somebody does get fired, a position opens up in, in management. And Alden Ehrenreich's character thinks that he is going to score this big promotion and it turns out that his wife, Emily, is, or his, his uh, fiance, Emily, is, is the one who actually is going to get this job. And the whole rest of the movie plays out uh, sort of detailing the consequences of that decision and, and sort of how um, it affects this, uh, the couple's dynamic. And it's, it's really, really fascinating stuff. I've, I've seen a lot of people compare it to something like, um, I don't know, like Fatal Attraction or there's like erotic thrillers of the 90s. And it has a little bit of that. I, I feel like it's much more modern than that, though. Um, it definitely feels like a movie that is um, sort of interrogating a lot of, uh, I guess, dynamics that people have been talking about for the past few years anyway. Um, it seems like a little bit 
too advanced for a 90s throwback. But um, Chloe Domont is the director behind this. And I think she's definitely a, a new filmmaker to watch. This is her uh, first, uh, her feature debut. And man, I, I just was very, very impressed with what she did here. So uh, Fair Play is going to be coming to Netflix at some point. I know they acquired it. I don't know. It doesn't have a release date yet. But um, definitely keep your eyes peeled for this one because it would really be a shame if this movie just ends up dumped into the the Netflix algorithm and nobody ever sees it. So uh, that would be my choice for the first one. Uh, Chris, let's go back around to you. What was another one you liked or thought was interesting? Uh, I really loved Past Lives, which um, it doesn't really say yet, but it's A24. So I imagine it'll be out at some point because A24 does a pretty good job with those uh, releases. Um, this uh, it, it's almost It's similar to the before films um, a little bit. Um, it's about these uh, a boy and a girl, they're friends um, in Korea when they're children. And then the girl uh, moves first to Canada and then to America. And then years later, like over 20 years later, they're both adults. And the guy is still living in Korea. Uh, the, the, the girl is a woman now, played by Greta Lee, who you might know from... Um, uh, Russian doll. She was the she was the sweet birthday baby girl. Oh she yeah. Said, <laughs> um, so uh, she's an adult now, and and on a whim she decides to look this guy up from her childhood on Facebook, and she finds out he's been looking for her, and they they reconnect via Skype. Uh, and um, uh, eventually, a few year, more years go by, and, and things change, and she gets married, but he plans uh, the guy from Korea plans on coming to America, and he says he's coming for a vacation, but she suspects, you know, he's coming to see her and she agrees to meet him. And they just start like walking around New York and, and talking and, you know, they do like sightseeing things where like they go to the Statue of Liberty and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, these two characters just talking and, uh, and it's, it's really about what they're not saying more than what they are saying. You know, they're, they're not like professing their love for each other or anything like that, but you, you, you know, you read between the lines and, and you get this sort of very quiet, meditative film. And um, I know that's not those are not for everybody. Some people just don't care about this movie. But uh, I really took this. I thought this was was uh, beautiful. And um, and I will freely admit that I, I, I wept at the end. So um, I, I, I really can't recommend this enough. It's uh, past lives. Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Brad, what's the next one you want to talk about? I want to talk about Theater Camp, uh, which is a hilarious mockumentary that premiered at the festival and got picked up by Searchlight Pictures. So you'll definitely get to see it. And they do intend to release it in theaters this year as well. Um, it's directed by Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman. Uh, the names you might not recognize, but Molly Gordon, you've definitely seen before because uh, she's been in uh, Good Boys and Booksmart and she's she's very funny. And it's written by Ben Platt. Uh, and Noah Galvin, who were recently uh, engaged, and they also have uh, an extensive career in theater and on screen. Uh, they co-wrote the screenplay with Molly and Nick. And the movie itself is a mockumentary that follows this uh, scrappy theater camp called Adirondacks, A-C-T-S, uh, that t- takes place in the Adirondack Mountains in New York. And Amy Sedaris plays the camp's founder, Joan, who suddenly falls into a coma and leaves the camp in uh, the hands of his, um, her hopelessly inexperienced crypto bro son, Troy, who's played by Jimmy Tatro, the, the guy who's uh, mostly suspected of drawing the dicks in American Vandal. And uh, what follows is him trying to like keep the camp together and figure out how to do it while the rest of the camp like just isn't having it and is super frustrated and annoyed with him. 
uh, because it's theater camp, like everybody is just so like melodramatic and like flamboyant and, you know, uh, overly um, enthusiastic about everything. And while the, the, the main adult cast members are all great in this movie, I found myself really loving all of the young, young kids in this movie because they are so gifted as far as like having great comedic timing. And there's a lot of improvisation that's, that really comes through in this movie uh, and just the performances they give and how easily they go toe to toe with the adult actors uh, from scene to scene. It's just fantastic. And it's, it's shot in this great way too, where there's, there's always random shots of things like happening as if they were, you know, really shooting uh, a documentary. And it's really hard to do that in a way that doesn't feel uh, scripted or forced, but it comes off naturally here. Uh, it's, it's extremely funny. I, I laughed so hard while watching this movie and uh, I think people are really going to like it. I think Will Ferrell is an executive producer on this, he is, right? He is, yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. So that's called Theater Camp. Definitely put that one on your radar. Uh, one that I wanted to talk about is called Beyond Utopia, which is a documentary about people trying to escape from North Korea. Um, obviously, you know, the the situation in North Korea has been pretty fraught for a long, long time. And it's been one of those things where it's sort of, it's felt really locked off. Uh, certainly for people on the inside of the country, they don't have access to the outside world or the internet or, you know, um, any sort of anything outside of Kim Jong-un's like totalitarian, you know, iron grasp on the country. And uh, they are taught all sorts of um, just factually inaccurate things about how Kim Jong-un is the greatest person on, on the planet and how everyone in North Korea is doing great. And everyone else in every other country on earth is, uh, is, you know, um, dying off or like is an imperialist piece of shit or whatever the, the, uh, you know, party line tries to teach these folks. And there are people though, who are realizing that things are getting so bad there that they go through these, these monumental attempts to escape the country. And you can't actually just, you know, cross the border uh, from North Korea into South Korea, because there's something like 2 million landmines that are lining that border there. So you actually, if you, to, in order to escape, you have to go through China and I think it's Vietnam and Laos in order to reach Thailand, which is just a, a mind blowing uh, trip. If you're, you know, um, somebody who's in not ideal uh, shape, or if you like the characters in this movie, the people in this movie have uh, a grandmother that are children that you're trying to transfer with you. Um, it's just really incredible what the, the filmmakers here are able to capture here because they basically just put cameras, they like embed cameras, in with these families that are trying to escape here. And there's a whole underground network of, of folks who um, are like operatives who are trying to help them out. And um, it's really like a, a harrowing movie to watch and really eye-opening for people who've not been paying close attention to what's been going on in, inside North Korea. And uh, yeah, the footage is just sort of jaw-dropping stuff. So um, it's called Beyond Utopia. Uh, if you are looking to educate yourself a little bit about what's going on there and, and see just some of the most like incredible like real world, you know, incredibly high stakes, um, you know, documentary footage that you've seen in a long, long time. Check that one out. Uh, before we go on, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious 
serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. All right, Chris, let's go back around to you. What's another one you want to talk about? Uh, this was, I think, one of the more polarizing films at the festival um, on, when I saw it. Uh, like almost an entire row of people walked out in front of me. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm sort of attuned to audiences and I can always tell when like an audience as, as a whole is like not gelling or not connecting with a movie. And I really felt that with this and it is magazine dreams, which despite all that, that uh, lead up I just gave, I liked um, but I, I freely admit that this is a, a brutal, unpleasant movie, and I feel like a lot of people are just not going to want to put up with it. Um, uh, Jonathan Majors is in this, and he is he is phenomenal. Like he's he's worth uh, seeing the movie. Um, he makes the movie worth seeing alone, just his performance. Uh, and basically, this is like it, Taxi Driver. If instead of driving a taxi, Travis Bickle wanted to be a, a bodybuilder, and. Uh, so Jonathan Majors plays this guy who's obsessed with bodybuilding and getting his body in perfect shape, but he's clearly um, emotionally and mentally uh, unwell, and he has like almost no like people skills. He doesn't really know how to interact with people, and he's also just you know uh, very he has like troubles with with anger and, and rage issues. And the movie is just about him like just feeling like a loser and trying really hard to become this sort of famous bodybuilder and not getting where he needs to be and growing more and more angry and, and disenchanted and uh, uh, unpleasant. And yeah, this is a, it's, it's, it's not an easy watch and it's, it's also like a little bit over two hours, which is just too long for such uh, punishing material. But I, I really, I liked it for what it was. And uh, like I said, it's worth seeing for his performance alone. He, Jonathan Majors has, has like almost, I want to say overnight, because I'm sure he's been working towards this for a while, but it feels like he's become one of those actors where it's like, I got to see this guy in everything because he's just that good. Yeah. Do you know if this one's been acquired by anybody yet, Chris? Uh, I do not off the top of my head. I should look that up, <laughs> but I, I think it might actually already have uh, distribution or, no, actually, according to um, Wikipedia, which we all know is are always right, uh, there's nothing there's nothing um, listed for distributor yet. So maybe I don't know if anyone's picked this up yet. Okay, so that's called Magazine Dreams. I'm definitely intrigued by that. Yeah, uh, I re- real quick, I want to I do want to follow up on with Chris because I watched that too. And man, Jonathan Majors, uh, he's very quickly like become somebody who I am just like fascinated to watch what else he does and want to see any movie with him because like every performance he gives is just so drastically different. Like right, even down to his voice. Uh, I, I heard him at a Q and a uh, when devotion came out during the Chicago uh, international film festival and hearing him, his real voice, you get, get an even better sense of what he's doing as an actor in such a, a subtle way, because he's never really used his like real natural voice uh, in, in a movie like this. And so it's, it, it, he's just an, an amazing actor. 
Awesome. All right. So, Brad, what, what's the next one you want to talk about? I'm going to talk about a movie called Radical. Uh, and this movie is, um, is, is a bit formulaic. Yeah, it's one of those movies like Stand and Deliver uh, or Dangerous Minds where a teacher comes into a, a, a rough and tumble school that, you know, really is having trouble with test scores and has some, uh, some kids who are constantly, you know, getting in, into various problems. And this teacher comes in and kind of like changes the game and shows them that there's a lot more to, to life and like, uh, comes in with an innovative way to teach. But uh, what really made this one hit hard for me and made it more powerful than some of those other movies um, is it follows sixth grade students. These are really young kids. Uh, they live in uh, Matamoros, uh, Mexico. And this place is just like uh, super poor. It's it's deadly. Like these kids are walking down the street and they see dead bodies in the street. It's a normal thing. You hear gunshots echoing through the air and you hear screams. And these kids are forced to go to school every day. And the school is run down. Their computers have been stolen by thieves. The the money given to them to create a new computer lab was taken by corrupt officials. Um, and so, like, it really hits harder seeing how young these kids are and how quickly they're forced to, like, grow up and face things that some adults don't even have to deal with. Uh, and the movie is led by Eugenio Derbez, who is best known for doing a lot of comedic work. He's a very famous Mexican actor, a big comedy star. Uh, he he played a, kind of a similar role in Coda, being an, an inspirational teacher of sorts. But this is an even uh, taller order for him because uh, he's the lead and he just gives a fantastic performance. I feel like he's never been better than he has in this movie. And uh, yeah, again, you know, the, the kids in this movie are are great. And just watching their story and knowing that it's also based on a true story uh, makes it even, even more uh, impactful and, and significant than any of those other movies that focus on, you know, high school kids in, in an urban setting. It's just, it's that much more heartbreaking seeing such young kids facing, you know, seemingly insurmountable odds. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a great movie, very, very powerful drama. And I think it uh, got the, the audience award at Sundance. So. Oh, cool. Awesome. All right. So that's called Radical. Uh, one that I wanted to talk about is also a little bit formulaic. It's called uh, The Starling Girl, and it's about a religious teenage girl's sexual awakening in a sort of stuffy community that would rather never talk about sexuality at all. Um, it feels like there have been a handful of indie movies like this uh, in recent years, but um, this one is is worth watching, I think, for the performances. It's, it's led by uh, Eliza Scanlon, who you might recognize from her work as Amy Adams' younger half-sister in Sharp Objects. She was also one of the March sisters in Little Women. Um, and she is, is really great here. Um, she plays this girl who's part of a fundamentalist family who is like a true believer in God and, and you know, the way of the Lord and everything and just tries to live her life in every aspect of her life in order to sort of honor God in the best way possible. And then a, uh, a youth pastor for her church returns from a missionary trip. And this guy is uh, played by uh, Lewis Pullman, who is the son of Bill Pullman. He, he played the goofy uh, sidekick character Bob in last year's Top Gun Maverick. And he is the sort of like, charismatic figure and uh this this younger girl is is drawn to him and the two of them begin an affair and uh again it, it's like it's not like you've probably never seen this type of storytelling before but the performances are so um honest and, and down to earth and real and jimmy simpson uh who i know mostly from like you know comedy works his appearances on like uh, it's always sunny in philadelphia and things like that um does some of the best work of his career playing uh, Eliza Scanlon's character's father, who was a sort of like rock and roll or country um, performer before he became a fund fundamentalist. And he he backslides into uh, a life of drinking as he uh, learns some information about uh, a character from his past. So um, all the performances are really good here. And I think like th there's a, a tendency for movies like this to kind of feel like they're um, talking down to its characters or like 
uh, I guess, excuse the phrase, but like being preachy about the, the morals of like, you know, some of these, these characters who are set in this, in this world and like sort of finger wagging at like the hypocrisy that you see here. But this movie, uh, which is directed by Laurel Parmet, I believe this is her, her feature debut as well. Um, it doesn't feel like that at all. It just feels like a, a genuine character study of this girl who happens to be like a, a true believer and like the, the ripple effects that, um, that this affair causes on, uh, her family. And it's just like really, really well done. So uh, I'm not sure if anybody has picked this one up yet or if it has distribution or anything, but if you're interested in those types of stories and want to see like really grounded, well-realized performances, check out The Starling Girl. Chris, let's go back to you. Uh, yes, I did. Um, you Hurt My Feelings, which is a, a film from Nicole Hoff Center. Uh, she made um, Enough Said. She co-wrote can you ever forgive me? She actually co-wrote the last duel, which, which rules. Um, uh, and this is a, a very funny movie. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus plays a writer and she, um, she's recently finished a book and uh, her agent hasn't gotten back to her about it. And so she's feeling anxious about it. And then one day she uh, she's eavesdropping on her husband uh, and she hears him say that he does not like the book and it like sends her into this, existential crisis and the whole movie is about you know telling lies to people to make them feel better and it's also about characters really doubting themselves like her husband is a psychiatrist and he begins to think he's a bad psychiatrist and her sister is an interior decorator and she's like getting sick of her clients and her his her sister's husband is an actor and he's feeling uh insecure about his, you know being an actor and so it's just all about it's about these four characters uh, just trying to deal with the, their insecurities and these existential crises. And uh, what I really liked about this is that it's just a movie about adults talking about adult things. And you really, we really do not get a lot of movies like that anymore. And um, it reminded me a lot of the early films of Woody Allen without, you know, without the obvious baggage where it's, you know, just characters in New York having conversations and, and being funny. And uh, you know, I, I, I really thought it was like a breath of fresh air. I was like, man, I miss movies like this. And it, it's really funny too. I, I laughed a lot at this. And um, so, yeah, uh, you hurt my feelings. I think this is an A24 movie. Is that right? I want to say that A24 picked this up. I think it's, um, uh, yeah, you're right, Ben. I just looked. Okay, cool. Yeah, so uh, I, hopefully that will be released at some point uh, before the end of the year. So yeah, you hurt my feelings is the movie. Uh, Brad, let's go back to you. I want to talk about Scrapper. Uh, which is this uh, delightful um, little movie about a, a young 12-year-old girl who is living alone uh, in the London outskirts. Her her mother has just passed away, uh, and she's kind of just trying to get by by, like, uh, stealing bikes and selling them to people. And uh, all of a sudden, her life that she's kind of, you know, carved out for herself uh, since her mom died uh she's in like this good routine she has a friend who like she hangs out with and uh is skipping school throughout the day uh but her estranged uh, father jason shows up uh and it kind of throws her for a loop and so like she's you know the the actress that plays uh this 12 year old girl named georgie her name's lola campbell uh she is just delightful um she's she's precocious in a way that isn't like super annoying she's got this really funny attitude about her where she, she's uh, charming, but also a bit of a, a rapscallion, uh, and just the the way she she says so much in in her face without saying saying anything at all. Um, it's it's a, an incredible performance. Like it really made me think of like some of the best child performances uh, I've seen. But it has it has like um, 
a, a little bit of like an, an Edgar Wright style to it. Um, it's 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 almost like a a an urban a London urban version of Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, it's it's not quite as funny, but it, it has a, a similar kind of style to it, uh, and the young performance is uh, similarly great. So yeah, it's it's a real charmer, um, and so yeah, hopefully you guys get to, to see that one. Awesome. So that's called Scrapper. Uh, the one that I wanted to talk about next also takes place in London. This t- takes place specifically in South London. And it's a movie called Rye Lane, which has been, I believe, picked up by Hulu. It, uh, I believe it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be on, on Hulu in the US on March 31st. So not it's a, too long it's from a, now. It's a searchlight movie. So it, it, might oh, great. Even, it might even get a theatrical release. We'll see. Awesome. Yeah. So Rye Lane is about uh, a guy named Dom who is, uh, I don't know, in his young 20s, I think, who is really having a a terrible day. His ex-girlfriend of six years has cheated on him with his moronic best friend, and he basically has to go meet up with them to sort of clear the air. Um, they, they want him to, uh, to meet up and, and sort of basically like give them permission to uh, move on with their lives and not feel guilty about leaving him behind and leaving him, you know, sort of emotionally broken. And he comes across this, this young woman named Yaz, who is played by uh, Vivian Opara, who is just a, a breath of fresh air and, and a sort of like a live wire who comes into Dom's life. He's, he's a, he's an accountant. He's a very sort of uh, buttoned up type of like emotionally restricted character. And she is like the exact opposite. She's, you know, very open and larger than life and very funny and charismatic. And this is another movie where, you know, two people just sort of walk around a city and uh, slowly fall in love. And I love this movie. I love it. I think it's the funniest movie I've seen so far in 2023, which again, it's like only January, but still uh, very, very funny stuff here. Um, I I love the dynamic between these characters. The whole plot is very predictable, but it's, it's so fun to spend time with these people that it, like I wasn't really bothered by the predictability of what was going on. And the jokes are like so good. I thought that it it really like uh, helped sort of elevate this, over, you know, something that just seems like I've seen a lot of these like walk and talk movies that just um, are blatant ripoffs of before sunrise and and just they don't have the um, the emotional sort of gut punch or the humor or whatever it is that X factor that makes these movies really um, sing. This one actually does have all that stuff. And it really like you sort of like feel like you're floating watching it because there's just a smile on your face the whole time. So um, Brad, I think you saw this one too, right? Yeah, I love this movie so much. It's it's got such great uh, youthful energy, and the performances from the two leads are are so good. And I I like how it it, it breaks up the you know that that formula of feeling like before sunrise by having these like um, flashbacks to like them telling their their breakup stories, but in a way that like it's it's from their perspective, you know. So they're a little bit stylized uh, <laughs> and, and and a little bit goofy. So, but yeah, it's uh, and also. Uh, shout out to um, I don't have his name in front of me, but whoever plays uh, the the main guy's best friend in this movie, he is oh, yeah. hilarious in this movie. Such a funny side character. <laughs> yeah, and and David Johnson uh, plays Dom. I don't think I, I mentioned him, but he uh, I think he's in that show Industry on HBO, which I've not seen yet, but um, people might know him from that. So yeah, check this one out when it comes to Hulu at the end of March. And like Brad said, maybe it'll get a theatrical release. It's called Rye Lane. Um, really, really enjoyed that one. Uh, Chris, let's go back to you for your last one. Yeah, uh, my last one is an Australian horror movie called Talk to Me. And uh, uh, this is a lot of fun. It's it's, it's kind of nasty. It's it's kind of mean-spirited. And it reminded me a lot of, um, in tone, uh, like the Evil Dead, the, the original Evil Dead 
you know, people always think of Evil Dead as sort of like a, this cartoony comedy thing, but the first one is trying to be like a straight up horror movie. And uh, this sort of has that same vibe while still being, you know, amusing. And it's about um, these Australian teenagers who, for fun, they have parties where they uh, they use this mummified hand to to summon the dead and they invite dead people to take over their bodies for like a short amount of time because if they stay too long uh they'll want to stay forever and as you can imagine from that setup uh they they get themselves into some some serious uh spooky trouble and uh uh i, I won't say anymore but it the this was just a lot of fun it was um it was uh just creepy and it has really great like makeup effects and like I said, it's it's very it's kind of mean spirited, so don't you know don't go into this expecting a, a lighthearted romp. But it has you know it has comedy in it, but it's 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 uh, also trying to to give you the creeps, and it does. So I, I really dug this. Brad, did you see this one as well? Yeah, man, I had so much fun watching this. It's like it, it's got a little bit of like a gross out factor to it too, and it's like it, there's parts that are really unsettling, and like the premise is is pretty simple, but like it's just executed in such a confident. Uh, and and cool way that it's just it's dark twisted fun um, and and it has a great ending too I, I just yeah I, I really like this movie a lot okay so that's called talk to me and Brad what's the last one you wanted to talk about the last one I want to talk about is Flora and Son uh, and this is a movie from John Carney who previously did Once and Begin Again and Sing Street and let me tell you uh, as long as John Carney is going to keep making movies about characters uh, connecting and and bonding uh, and fixing relationships over music I will see them every single time uh, because he just has this incredible way of giving you these characters who are so relatable and so charming uh, and the relationships they have with each other you can't help but feel for them and the way he uses music to bring them together and great music too. all the music and all these movies is, is stellar, all these original songs. And just uh, th- this one is about a, a young mother who lives in Dublin named Flora. Uh, she had a kid very young um, and they have a really adversarial relationship. The, the kids named Max, he's a, he's a bit of a, a troublemaker. Um, and so when she tries to buy him this uh, or tries to, to, to repair this old guitar that she finds and gives it to him as like a way to give him some direction, he totally like shoots it down. Uh, but then she does, decides to take it upon herself to maybe uh, learn guitar. And she does this by en- enlisting in these online guitar lessons that are given by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, an American living in Los Angeles. Uh, and they strike up this you know, flirtatious, um, really just wonderful relationship with each other. And she starts kind of like uh, helping him with these original songs that he's kind of given up on. Uh, and then there's this added layer where this, uh, she learns that the son is really into club music, something that she loves. And he's really gifted at putting together these these raps uh, and really great beats. Uh, and what this all just like comes together in this one, wonderful story where the, the music is the driving force. Uh, and you see just these relationships blossom and, and heal. And that it's just a... Uh, just great. If you if you loved you know once if you loved you know Sing Street like you will absolutely love this movie. It's just just magical. Chris, after you and I saw this movie, you were saying what were you saying about Joseph Gordon Levitt? You were just like, oh man, it's it's nice to see him in this kind of role. It was just nice. It's nice to have Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt back. Like it feels like he was gone for a while, and watching him here, I was like, oh, I forgot how charming and likable this dude is, and he's he's very charming and likable in this movie, and he sings really well too. So I, I had no idea. Yeah, he, he, he's he's a multi-talented young man, that Joseph Gordon Levitt. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you said, Brad, but Eve Hewson, who was really great on The Nick, um, is the lead uh, 
the female lead in the movie. She plays Flora, and yeah. she's great. And also, I'm, I'm right hey, there. I don't oh, know. I might be stupid and not knowing this. Did you know that she's Bono's daughter? I did know that only because I remember she's been one of those people who like her name popped up, I don't know, for the past 10 years or something for like a lot of blockbuster parts. So maybe for even for like before I was at Slash Film, I had to write up like casting news about her and looked that up and was like, huh, yeah, Bono's daughter. Wow. How about yeah. that? You know, and it, and that explains that. why she's so talented with music too. So yeah, <laughs> I was not aware of that. That's cool. <laughs> um, okay. So the last one that I wanted to talk about is called Polite Society, which is about an aspiring young uh, uh, stunt woman in high school who basically tries to sabotage her sister's wedding because her sister is, uh, I think, a couple years older and the two of them are fast friends and do everything together. And her sister is um, trying to become an artist. And then she ends up dropping out of art school and uh, sort of becoming the object of affection for a wealthy uh, Indian um young man in their community and uh the, the younger sister whose name is Rhea is is like horrified at this idea because she does not want her older sister to give up on her creative dreams because uh if 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 her older sister doesn't become an artist does that mean that she might not become a world famous stunt woman like she she just doesn't want to be separated she doesn't want um th- this you know this what she, who she sees to be like this smarmy young man to sort of swoop in and steal her sister out from underneath her. And so it's a, it's a movie that has like um, a sort of like built in level of relatability to it because everybody can sort of uh, understand those feelings that, that these characters have, but there's also a really cool sense of, um, heightened stylization in this movie because she wants to be the stunt woman. There's a lot of like, she makes martial arts videos in her backyard. She has fights with characters all the time where it sort of feels like Scott Pilgrimy a little bit where like, you know, text will come up on the screen where like her last name versus somebody else that she's fighting a bully at school or something. And she does like matrix jump kicks off of walls and things like there's a lot of like wire work and stuff like that. Um, just a lot of really fun, like energetic, uh, action sequences and the comedy is great. She has a, a pair of best friends who I think are used like the perfect amount where they don't really, you don't really get sick of them. Um, and they're just like used as like comedic assassins, just like coming in for like a couple scenes here and there to really, um, you know, uh, make the most of, of their screen time. Um, and the, the plotting here, uh, gets a little ridiculous and, and sort of heightened in a way to match the stylization. But um, like I said, there's, there's this grounded uh, feelings, this core to it that runs all the way through that really like helps you understand and sort of like um, sympathize, sympathize with these characters. Uh, this comes from Nina Manzor, who is the creator of We Are Lady Parts, which is a show on Peacock that I personally have not seen, but I've heard really good things about. So it's on, on my list of things to check out. And especially after watching this, I definitely want to make a point to, to watch that show because um this is the the first movie from Nina Manzor, and uh, if this is the first one, and and she really like knocked it out of the park here, I'm very excited to see what else she has up her sleeve. So um, this one, I believe, has been picked up by I think a, this is a Focus Features movie, and this one's going to be coming to theaters uh, at the end of April of this year. So um, keep an eye out for Polite Society. Um, Brad, did you see this one? I know Chris saw it. Yeah, I did. This it was it was a lot of fun. It's uh, it's a really stylish directorial debut, and it's just uh, yeah. There, there, I feel like this year I saw several movies that really felt like they were influenced specifically by Edgar Wright, and I just I feel like we're maybe it's because we're reaching a time where like those who grew up you know as maybe as teens like watching Shaun of the Dead and, and Hot Fuzz and stuff are like now in a position to make movies themselves and i feel like he's a filmmaker who has really influenced a, a new generation of of filmmakers mm-hmm. and chris what did you think of uh, polite society 
it was it was fun it was a, it was a fun cute movie and there's also like a twist midway through that's like so like out there i was like oh, okay I, I can get on board with this so yeah it, it's a fun movie <laughs> Awesome. All right. I think that's going to do it. I'm going to put links to all of the reviews for the movies that we talked about in the show notes here, but I encourage everybody to go to slashfilm.com. We had a bunch of people covering Sundance and we just talked about 15 movies, but I, I want to say, Chris, do you have like the final numbers on how many reviews we published? I know it was over 30. It was. I don't have the, the totals, but yeah, over 30, probably like 35, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, that's a lot, folks. So I hope I hope you will go to slashfilm.com and, and read every single one. Yeah, like legitimately, please go read these reviews, even if you listen to this episode and feel like you have a sense of it, because you actually clicking on those articles helps justify us continue to cover this festival, which is a big deal for us. It's a big deal for the industry. It's a big deal um, for us to have a presence there and and really continue uh, bringing you guys the best coverage that we can. So um, I'm going to put links to all these. And like, yeah, if you're just like sitting around one night, don't have anything going on, like, please do us a favor and just like literally click on all these and just scroll through and read them for a little bit. We really, really appreciate that. So uh, yeah, you can find more about all the stuff that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. Slashfilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashhome.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.